Okay. All right. Please take your seat. <laughs> Please take your seat. So, so shall I tell you something that the intention was to read the scripture as it shows on the screen? Alas, I was informed that there's computer fault, so the words of the songs that we sang this evening or the scripture will not come up on the screen. So this is going to be really interesting because with my glasses, I can't see it. So I shall be taking it off and putting it back on, but this is just to pre-warn you so you don't think, what is she up to? But I want to talk to you tonight um, on something Pastor started a couple of weeks ago, keeping the main thing the main thing. And it's very easy to get carried away in the hustle and bustle of Christmas and forget about the main thing. But today's one is actually going to be targeting unwrapping the gift of peace. Unwrapping the gift of peace. Keeping the main thing the main thing. I'm not necessarily going to talk about peace with men because that is actually one of the things. But today I will talk much. I'm not particularly going to talk about the peace in Christ because that is the first peace that we need to have. You know, Jesus came to give us peace with God. But I want to talk about the peace of God. I'm not going to talk about the peace with God. I'm going to presuppose that many of us in this service or the people that will be hearing to this message later already have peace with God. What does that mean? Being saved and having a relationship with God, opening the line of a relationship with God. And if that's not the case for you, please see me after the service. I'll be very, very happy to pray along with you or any of the pastors or ministers in the house will be very happy to do that. But I want to talk today about the peace, with, the peace of God that surpasses all human understanding. Um, Father, thank you because today you will expand your word in our hearts. You will give us grace to hear, grace to understand what it takes to do. We receive that ability as well. In Jesus' name we've prayed. So I read a story of a particular king who decided that he was going to call all the artists in his town or in his country to come and draw what peace looks like. And I don't know if you think the world is so chaotic and you're expected to have peace within a chaotic world. Maybe your own world is actually chaotic or even more chaotic than you thought it was going to be at the beginning of the year. I don't know. Or maybe you know someone whose life is chaotic at the moment. Uh, or maybe your life is relatively at peace and you're just thinking, I don't want more chaos or any more chaos from anywhere. One brother came to visit us yesterday. He said he's so grateful to God. He said because as at this same time last year, according to him, he had buried four of his friends, people his same age, the, the, in that, that year last year, he said, I'm so grateful for this year that I didn't have to go through that. He said at some point, by the time he got to the funeral, the last one he went to in, in November or December last year, he said he was called to speak. He said, just to them, he said, I've had enough. I've really had enough of this. He walked out. I said, you walked out on the funeral and everything. He said, I walked out past the beach. He said, because I have just had enough. He said, but God has been good to me this year because I didn't have to bury a friend or anybody like that. And I just thought, for that particular brother, that same time last year, it was a chaotic time for him. So anyway, this king then called this set of people and he said, oh, any artist that can depict what peace means within the community or the area was going to win a big award. So everybody came and eventually they picked two pictures. And one of the pictures was um, a picture of a tranquil place. Um, in my head now, I'm beginning to see Maldives and you will understand why. <laughs> so there was sea in front, there was sun, um, there was nothing but blue sky. There was, everything was just peaceful. No traffic, no cars, nothing around. And that was one depiction of peace. And when they saw the picture, everybody went towards that picture saying, 
surely this is a picture of peace. Everything looks calm on the outside. And maybe you look at the life of some people and it looks like that to you, to you from outside when you're looking at it. And then the king looked at another picture, the second one that was selected. This one did not have as smooth a picture as you would have expected. It had mountains, true, but they were like jagged edge mountains. There was rough sea, so it wasn't peaceful sea. There was um, a picture of lightning strikes in the air. Now, that don't look peaceful to anybody that gets to look. And not just that only, it just looked like it was lousy weather, lousy place to be, you know. I don't want to mention that. We've been to some countries that were meant to go for sun, sea, and sand, and it was lousy weather throughout. And we tried the country second time around. I'm not going to mention it. And it was the same thing. We told ourselves we're never going to that country again, you know. And sometimes there are pictures like that. So that picture was like that picture, really, really lousy, supposed lousy-looking weather. And then in there was a crack within one of the sides of the mountain. And in the crack was green leaves. And within the green leaf was a bird that nested in there and had its baby. So the bird had its baby in the green leaf that is within the crack of the mountain. So the king went towards that one and chose that one as his award, for his award, that that is the best depiction of peace. And everybody didn't understand why. And then the, the, the king said, Peace is not necessarily what you see on the outside, which is the absence of challenges, the absence of trouble, the peaceful area, the picture that we think about when you think about going on a holiday and leaving all the work colleagues and everybody and every stress of life behind. But peace is in the midst of the cracked weather, cracked scene, um, the thunders, the bad hills, the bad mountains, and the rough sea. Being able to nest in the midst of that, having a green leaf and still have your baby and protect and still have a peaceful life in the midst of that challenge. Peace is not the absence of problems. Peace is the presence of God. And there's a difference. Many of us think I'm going to have peace when everything goes smoothly. No. Peace is the presence of God in the midst of challenges. I remember, I can never forget this. Uh, one of our sisters here, she, when my mom passed away, I remember I was very shocked. I was shocked because she was very well. Uh, she, you know, took ill supposedly, went for a crusade, preached there. She was fine. And so took ill on Tuesday, went to heaven on Saturday morning, and that was it. So like P always says, I see they snatched her away from us. I mean, she lived a great life. And, you know, but I was so shocked. I was just thinking, How? It doesn't even make sense. I mean, my dad had been dying for the past 40 years and he hasn't died. And my mom had never died and then she died, you know. <laughs> it even, it's the only thing didn't make sense at all. And she used to make fun of my dad that you've been saying that this one is wrong, that one is wrong. My mom, nothing is ever wrong with my mom. You know, so it was such a shock. But I remember one sister in this house um, said something to me. She said, PB, said, no matter what happens, he said, you see, your peace is something that nobody else you can never negotiate it. It cannot be taken away from you. And that if that is taken, then the biggest thing is taken. So be at peace in the midst of this. I can never forget that statement. Because I went back and I said, okay, actually, that is so true. That is one gift in this period when you're unwrapping all the gifts and you get either excited or disappointed, depending on which side of the coin it falls into in your family. You know, when you think you're looking for something and they're promising you and then they deliver something else under the tree and you don't want to show them that you're not really happy because it will make you look as if you're ungrateful. 
and you think, I'm grateful, but hello, that's not what I said I wanted, you know, that kind of thing. But in the midst of that, while we're unwrapping all those gifts, don't ever forget to unwrap the gift of peace. So turn your Bibles with me to Isaiah chapter 9. Isaiah chapter 9. That is the first place that I'm going to go to where Jesus, when he was given to us, part of what he was meant to do is to bring to us this particular state. Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6 says, For unto us a child is born, and to us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. The Prince of Peace, that's his name. When he's in your life, you are expected to experience peace. And peace all around. Not just in one area of life, but peace all around. That includes everybody that lives in your home just because you are there. This gift that has been given to you, you didn't need to do anything to get it, but to get saved. The moment you have peace with God, you already have deposited inside of you the peace of God. But you can choose to continuously unwrap this gift or you can choose not to. See, this Christianity that we, I will use the word pedal, and I'll use that carefully. We, we say that jokingly, this Christianity we pedal, um, has a lot of things attached to it, but a lot of it has a lot to do with your choice. You can choose to experience some things, but if you don't, you will get to heaven and God will say welcome. But that does not mean that you've lived your life the way you're meant to live it. Sometimes when you see people go through turbulent times, you think it's because God is not with them. No. But I know people that have gone through extremely turbulent times and they were so at peace. It's unbelievable. So this peace was promised to us, the promise of peace. That's the first section. I'll show you three things about the promise of peace. It was provided to us, John chapter 16, verse 33. I'm not going to read all the scriptures I thought I was going to read today, so just write some of them down. John chapter 16, verse 33. We were promised peace. And one of the things Jesus said in John 14, 27 as well, he said, look, I'm going to go away and I'm going to leave my peace with you. He said, this peace is a peace that will surpass all human understanding. He said, look, in the world you will have tribulation. So at the point he was giving us the promise of peace, John 14, 27, and that's the one I actually want to read. He did not say that everything was going to be so calm, so cool, so easy. It says, John 14, 27, say, peace I live with you. My peace I give to you. There's no condition. I'm going and I'm going to leave you a gift. And that gift is called peace. I give it to you. I have gifted you. Question, brethren, would you unwrap it? Would you unwrap it enough to use it in every day and every area of your life? Because at the end of the day, you can have a gift and leave it wrapped and not unwrap it all through. It's a decision and it's a choice. It says, so it says, not as the world gives, do I give it to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither you be afraid. So I was thinking, why did he say not as the world give? How does the world give something? The world gives things to take it back. So, example, a few months ago, the best thing that ever happened to Britain 
was Meghan Markle for marrying Harry, and everybody loved her, and the world gave her all of this. Oh, she's the best thing, and she's the prettier of the two of the ladies, and so on, and so forth, and so on, and so forth, and all in the space of less than a year. There was press cuttings, newspaper, oh, there must be a problem somewhere. She's not a nice person, she's this, she's that, she's the other. And the world that supposedly lifted that person up has taken that person away. That same way, some people say, oh, you're so good. I mean, you've got employers like that before. The best decision we ever made was hiring you. And all of a sudden, you are the worst person on the team. That's how the world gives. The world gives and takes away. At some point, somebody said to you that you are the best thing ever. And then later, they said you are the worst thing that ever happened to them. You're thinking, what happened? God never changes his mind. He said, you are the best thing. You are the best thing. Say, I give this peace to you. I've gifted it to you. Not as the world. I don't take it back. I don't say one thing today and do another thing tomorrow. This peace has been provided for us. The second thing about that peace is protected. And I love that. I love that. That peace that God has given to you and I is a protected peace. This promise is protected. I love the scripture. Isaiah chapter 54 verse 10. Isaiah 54 verse 10. Will someone do me a favor and read it? Will that help? That will help me a lot more because I really love to read these scriptures but I can barely see them. Who's bold? <laughs> for you or for somebody else? Oh, go for it. You just keep the mic and keep reading it as I call it but you've got to be really quick. Go for it. Isaiah chapter 54 verse 10. Whatever you do, don't read the wrong thing. Demola. That is even an electronic one. For the mountains may move and the hills disappear, but even then my faithful love for you will remain. Amen. My covenant of blessing will never be broken. Amen. Says the Lord of mercy on you. Amen. My covenant of peace will not be removed from you. Though the mountains be shaken and the hills be removed, my unfailing love for you will not be shaken, nor my covenant of peace be removed from you. So it's a covenant. It's a protected covenant. It's with you and it's with you forever. It's protected. And it doesn't matter what happens, it stays that way. Why? Because it's been given to us. That covenant of peace is yours. It's a protected right. Um, a, a lady was having a conversation with me earlier on today about something she went through, some real nasty experience she went through when one of her siblings decided she wanted to fight her for something her dad told her to take care of. I had to ask her, I said, are you from the same father? She said, yes, from the same mother. She said, yes. I said, I don't understand this, but I didn't understand it, but she went through that. And she said she was taking over her father's property, and the sister that lived in another country just said to her, I'm going to take you to court because I have the power of attorney. I said, but dad said I should do this and that and that. As God will have it, before dad... Uh, Became because before dad's mind went, you know, on a way that dad could not make proper decisions anymore, he sent emails across to this one here who said, Well, this and this and this are in writing. So it's so the, the lawyer said it's a covenant and it can't be changed. So it doesn't matter what you think happened or what was said, what has been written is a covenant that cannot be changed, and that's the way our peace has been protected. So it doesn't matter what happens. I'm just telling you today that you have the peace of God. Now I'm going to show you how you can use it. You can choose not to use it. And that's you not unwrapping fully the gift of God that is in you. But that covenant is already yours. The next one there, it's a permanent one. 
So it's not one of those things that come today and go tomorrow. It's a permanent thing. Ezekiel chapter 34. I actually love that scripture, verses 25 to 26. Ezekiel chapter 34, verses 25 to 26. Please go back home and study the scripture again because it will really help you. Amen. He said, I will make a covenant with my people. And then he went ahead and he talked about the blessings that will come in the land and the way the covenant is going to be. That covenant was given years ago to the children of Israel, thousands of years ago. They have misbehaved. They have been driven out, but they still come back just because of the permanence of that covenant. Just because the covenant of peace was permanent. God said, I will, and he will. So when it comes to your peace, please have no doubt about it that you are expected to experience the peace of God all around you. But what are the reasons why we don't experience the peace of God? <laughs> I would say the problems of peace, I call this bit. What are the things that don't make us experience the peace of God? I read a piece of um, a funny um, write-up earlier on in the week. And uh, this particular cartoon character said, oh, one of the things I don't like in the world that really, really unsettles me is unfinished business. So, you know, people that just do things halfway and they don't finish them, it really unsettles me. I pet peeve. I hate this thing. It really, really unsettles me. And I will never, oh, thank you. The words come out. Somebody put your hands together for them. Thank you so much. That's well appreciated. Demola, you are now discharged. <laughs> so I said my pet peeve is that, you know, things that are just done halfway are not finished. And because of that, and I don't do that because if I do that, I will lose my peace. But just because of that, this is now 3 p.m. and I'm still in my pajamas because I don't want to start, stand, come out of my bed to start anything. If I don't start anything, at least I don't have to do anything halfway. I don't have to be forced to finish anything. And sometimes some of us think that the best way to experience peace is not to start anything. It's not to relate to anybody. It's not to do anything out of the ordinary. Then at least I will keep my peace. You know, some of us think if I stay with me and don't go anywhere and just dwell by myself, there is no way peace will elude me. Some people go on holiday just by themselves, just to be at peace, if you see what I mean. But sometimes, even by yourself, you can run out of peace if you allow yourself. If you don't control the environment or your situation, if you don't do some of the things I'm going to mention later. And the very first thing that I know disrupts our peace is situations. There are only three things I'm going to mention there. Loads and loads of things disrupt our peace, generally speaking. But I'm talking about our own peace. Now, I'm not talking peace with people. That's a message for another day. What Jesus was talking about is your peace, the peace with God and your peace of God. And that's the one I'm focusing on. Situations, unplanned situations, they remove our peace ever so quickly. Things that we never planned for, you don't expect it to happen, you didn't know it was going to ever happen to you, and all of a sudden, your life is now rotating around this thing that was a situation that you have never, never planned for. How many of us have been there? I can start telling you stories, but I don't have enough time to do that tonight. And all of a sudden, you are plunged into the midst of something you never, ever thought will ever happen to you. Difficult situations, uncontrollable ones particularly. If they are out of your hands, you just find yourself just going like on a roller coaster. And sometimes you just find yourself, you're just numb, just going through it, but your peace is lost. I mean, my, uh, my daughter was giving us um, a little story earlier on this evening. 
when she came back from work, she had to go for an event. But just when she came back, preparing for the event, said, oh, you will never believe what happened to me today. I said, what happened to you? So I needed to um, off-board or something like that, a particular person. And the person was meant to leave at a certain time. And, you know, and 12, 12 o'clock or so, or 1 o'clock. And she went to go to the person, are you ready so that we can do the procedure? And the gentleman, for absolutely no reason, decided that he still needed to do some work. Okay, I still want to do some more work. Okay, that's fine. What time shall I come back? I'll come back around, you know, in an hour. She came back, got there, didn't find the guy on the seat. Started asking everybody else on the floor for the guy. And everybody said, they don't know who is so-called. <laughs> so she started running around. According to her, I said, I went to the 14th floor, went to the 12th floor. I started running around because I thought, I got to do this. If he doesn't leave this building, I'm going to be in trouble. I needed to do this and so on and so forth. So eventually she then came back and found the guy at his seat again. <sighs> All of this said, oh, this is the worst thing. Ah, I needed to finish on time and don't do this and that and that. And then the guy said, oh, I'm okay. So, alright, you need to leave all your equipment with somebody else. So the guy said, that's fine. He took the equipment and somehow he didn't make it to the somebody else. He went somewhere else again. So she started running around again looking for this guy. Eventually, she found out that the guy had dropped the equipment and then the guy had left the building. He left the building without signing out. And now, that's another problem for her. So she started looking for who has his number. So basically, she spent three solid hours looking for one bloke who had eventually left the building. And then by the time she called him, he was so at peace. He said, hello? I said, why did you, you've left, you've not signed. Oh, you want me to sign? Yes, you need to sign. Okay, I'll come back, it's not a problem. And she saw that, the way he was so calm about it, and she's thinking, I've been pulling my hair out all day, and you're so calm about this. She said, oh, that was not what I expected today of all days. And sometimes, some of us find ourselves in situations like that, out of our control. You have planned your day, the way you expect it to be in your mind. Before, in fact, if you're, a very organized person, before you get out of bed, you already know the things you're going to do, when you're going to do, as you're going to do them. And things happen, serious ones or even unserious ones, that just disrupts that. That in itself can steal your peace. What other thing steals our peace? Frustrations with people. The first one is situation. The second one, frustrations with people. There's nothing that can steal your peace more than Things that have to do with other people. Something someone says or does, right or wrong. Just frustrations because there was an expectation and there's something totally different happening. And if you're not careful, you can dwell at, in that place of that frustration so long that you yourself will be in trouble as a matter of time. I know people that talk about circumstances that happened to them. You will think it happened yesterday only for you to find out it happened 10 years before. They have not moved beyond that frustration. That in itself can steal your peace. Maybe because of an expectation that was not met or because of false expectation or real, ex it doesn't really matter what it is. At the end of the day, people are people and these are the reasons why we lose our peace. But I'm mentioning them so that you can look out for them. So you make sure that nothing steals your peace. I always say to people, you have control over your person, but you don't have control over anybody else. With the best of intentions, you cannot decide how somebody else will behave. You can only decide how you behave. You can choose to behave in a certain way or choose not to. A pastor was talking about the fact that he was in a car and he was driving to um, a shop with his children and they were singing praise and feeling really great. According to him, he said he drives such a big car. I don't know the car. He drives such a big car, he needs to have proper space to park his car. And as he was going to get to the roundabout, the truth of the matter was he had the right of way and the guy decided to cut in. And the guy cut in and the guy still followed him into the car park of the superstore. Can you imagine now? And he was yelling. 
He said, the, kid, the man was shouting. He said, I felt like laying hands on him. <laughs> he said, then I thought about my children, who I was just singing praise with in the car right now. Then I thought about the billboard that has my face on it. Then I thought about, so supposing my church members are in this um, um, supermarket. And the man was mouthing. He was wrong, and he was still mouthing. And this guy was thinking, if not for Christ, I will give you just how I feel, so that me too, I can feel better about this situation. Now, that frustration was not planned for. He said he felt, like, he felt so bad. He said when he went into the show, he said then the worst part of it was people were watching. And because the guy was old, I would say, you mean man. You're so mean to this old man. So he was thinking, he felt like going to each other and saying, I didn't do anything wrong. I didn't do anything wrong. I laughed so much at him. And then he said, he got back into the car and the children said, Dad, what did you do wrong? I just oh, you are supposed to be the ones on my side. And you are saying that. He said, needless to say, he went back home. He said, by the time he got back home, he said, I was so upset. He didn't buy anything in the shop anymore. He dropped the children at home. And for the next few minutes, he planned to study. He said, but for the next one hour, it was so unsettled, he couldn't study. He said, he said uh, some of us say, ah, that's the devil trying to steal your joy. But the truth is, that was the frustration in his day. He never planned for his day to go that way. The last one there is apprehension. Apprehension about our future. Apprehension about what could happen or will not happen tomorrow. Those are things that steal our peace. If you are aware of these things, the reason why I'm mentioning them is, when you are aware of something, you can arrest it. When you're not aware of something, you just allow yourself to just float all over the place. If you're frustrated with your boss at work, all of a sudden, you allow that mess up the whole of your day and you can't deliver anything anymore. Or you're frustrated with a team member and then it frustrates how you, it upsets you so much, you lose your peace and you can't even relate properly in that workplace anymore. You have allowed somebody to cheat you of what is yours. And I'm always looking at it from that perspective that mm -mm, nobody has a right to make me unhappy. Nobody has a right to make me lose my peace. Nobody. I can give the key to them, but they can never collect the key from me. Nobody will force it from you, but you can allow it. And that's the thing. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives. In this world, there will be trouble. So there will be frustrations. There will be apprehension. There will be situations that would make you feel uncomfortable. But he gave me peace. If that other party does not have the peace, it's up to them. If that other party choose not to unwrap the gift of peace, it's their business. But if I now want to bring myself to the level of the person that have not unwrapped their gift, then that doesn't even make sense anymore. So you have control over whether you will experience and enjoy the peace of God or not. So that, that, for me, those are the few things. You can categorize so many things, but you know what? It falls on that situation unplanned for, frustration, people, apprehension, worrying about tomorrow. The moment you start worrying about tomorrow, you realize that you don't enjoy today, you don't enjoy tomorrow. Um, a particular lady was, I read, an, I read an article, it was an article. This lady said she was sleeping, and her husband woke up, it was 2, 2 a.m., 2 a.m., or 3 a.m., something like that, and the guy was pacing around the bed, and bedroom, and she said, what is the problem? He said, oh, I'm supposed to pay 5,000 pounds to Sam, the next door neighbor, tomorrow. I don't have the money. I don't know what I'm going to do in the morning. So he started pacing up and down. She said, look, the problem now is that you're not sleeping, I can't sleep. And it's not yet tomorrow. He said, but what am I going to do tomorrow morning? He said, okay, I'll tell you what to do. She opened the window, called Sam, shouted his, shouted his name, and the guy looked at her. Hey, so well, Harry here does not have 5,000 pounds to pay you tomorrow. So, good night. She then said to Harry, Harry, 
Now, Sam has the problem. He can start worrying about that. You go to bed because he knows you don't have the money in the morning. And sometimes we probably need to do that, give it to God and then go to bed. But we won't because we feel like Harry, who doesn't have a lovely wife that can say, give it some, to somebody else and let that person start worrying if they like. Let Sam then decide to stay up all night worrying about what he's going to do to you in the morning. But you just go to bed now because chances are that maybe when you sleep, something will happen in the morning. Who knows? But the apprehension, the worries about tomorrow and the things that would happen or may not happen still are peace. So I, was, I wrote here, what are the prizes? What then price? What price should you pay to ensure that you have your peace with you? What price do you need to pay to ensure you have the peace of God reigning in you at all times? And, you know, I, was, I studied so much about peace this week because I, I was, I'm studying about all the names of Jesus because it's around the season that Jesus comes. So his name shall be called Wonderful, the Counselor. And, uh, you know, that's how I got to the Prince of Peace. And I realized in the book of Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, let's have that up, that one of the fruit of the Spirit is peace. Peace is a fruit of the Spirit. It said, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, and faithfulness. So as a believer, you have the fruit of the Spirit. But fruits are not manufactured. Fruits are cultivated. So you need to put time in. You need to sow that seed, water that seed, watch that seed, prune that seed until it germinates. And I realize that there are some words that God says to us that we should increase it. And one of them is peace. If I already have peace, why do I need to increase in it? Because you need to cultivate so that you can produce more fruit. And the fruit of the spirit, which is peace, you can develop you can develop this fruit, which is the outshowing of that which is already at work, the root of which is inside of you. So Jesus has already given us his peace. The root is inside. But the more you cultivate and you take care of that seed, the more you manifest this fruit. And if you look at John chapter 15, I mean, go back home and read that scripture. I love that scripture. It says, I am the vine, you are the branches. It says, anyone, let's, let's go to John chapter 15 so I can show you biblically. In a few minutes, I'm going to explain to you a few things and then the principle or how the process in which I practice peace. So it says, but the fruit of the spirit, no, not that one. I want John 15 because it talks about how you can produce more fruit. If you really want to produce more fruit, this fruit of peace, you want peace much more in your life, this is the secret. He said, I'm the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Next verse, please. It says, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, it takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, it prunes that it may bear more fruit. It then says, so it says stay in me. It says, for you are already clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Please go to the next one. It says, abide in me or stay in me and I in you. And as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. You want to bear more fruit in the area of peace? Abide in him. Abide in him. How do you know? Whether you are still solidly growing or in Christ or moving in the direction you're meant to move, ask yourself, how many things dislodge me and frazzles me all over the place? That's one of the ways I know personally. When I'm worrying and fretting over things, which I don't naturally do, when things get to me so much so quickly, which I don't naturally, I start telling myself, am I abiding in him as I should be? 
Because one of the fruit of the spirit, which is cultivated and can only happen if we abide in him, we will bear, the Bible says, much fruit. Much, not a little, a lot of peace. That everybody will think, oh my goodness, she's so laid back. But it's not because you're laid back, it's just because you don't worry. It's just because that's the way you are, because you have the peace of God in you as a fruit. So you really want to experience the peace of God in abundance. Ladies and gentlemen, please take time out to abide in Christ. What does that mean? Spend time in the word of God. Let's look at the scripture. Colossians, it explains this. There are three things Colossians says. Colossians chapter 3, verses 15 to 17. Colossians chapter 3, verses 15 to 17. It says, and let the peace of God rule in your heart. Listen, it says let. You can choose not to let the peace of God rule in your heart. Rule in your heart. I've realized some things. If you look at scriptures closely, you see those that are your responsibility. Those that are God's responsibility. Those, those that are, you can do it if you want to. You will enjoy the fruit. If you don't want to, you don't enjoy the fruit. So if you sit down and just watch the news for an hour, I promise you, if you are not in Christ, you have problems. So say yesterday only. So, so Mr. Trump said, we're going to pull out of Syria because the fight is over with a bunch of people. If you are like a lot of us, maybe you watch news a lot. I do watch news a fair bit. You sit down, you start projecting. Because I was saying to people, that's such a bad idea. Such a bad idea because... That gives room to this and that and that country to do this, that and that, you know. And I was after I said, what on earth has all of this got to do with me? And, said, and then I started projecting. Oh my goodness, in five years time, what would happen when that happened and that happened? I'm thinking, what is your problem? You know, what is your problem? And, you know, not, and sometimes it's not that you're burying your head in the sound, sand. It's just that you're just thinking, okay, so I think you now know too much about this or you spend too much time listening to this so it's not worth it anymore. Or spend too much time thinking about it. But I say, let the peace of God rule in your heart, would you? That's the first one. It says, to which also you were called in one body and be thankful. The best way to let the peace of God rule in your heart daily is to be thankful. Be thankful. When you are thankful, the peace of God will rule in your heart. You know what happens when you're a thankful person? You don't see what's not working. You choose to see so many things that are working. And that's the truth. Someone say, oh, it's just because you're just you're a glass half full person. And just me, naturally, I'm a glass half empty person. No, you are not allowing the, 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 you are not allowing the peace of God rule your heart. So stop labeling it and giving it nice names. I'm just, well, that's just me, you know, I just, I just, you know, I just like to plan, so sometimes I worry a little bit here and there. No, 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 no. Call it what it is, because the day in your heart you know that it's a sin, you run away from it. But the day in your heart you think it's okay, you know, it's labeled nicely, I mean, it's one of those, it's just my personality type. No, there's no personality type like that. That's not how God made you. It says, let the peace of God rule in your heart by being thankful. So you want to see more peace? Explains the peace of God. Be thankful. For that situation you never planned for, be thankful. For that frustrating person in your life, be thankful. For that thing that you're having apprehension about for your future, be thankful because those things will never happen anyway. 
Some of the things you think will have gone wrong by now, they have not gone wrong. They won't go wrong. That's the truth. So you just waste a lot of energy rather than enjoying your walk with God, unwrapping the gifts that God has given to you, keeping the main thing, main thing. No, you're spending so much time on this thing, planning so much for this thing that probably will never happen. Like in my country right now, we're planning for two things. We're going to spend a lot of money planning for two things. One of the deals that maybe, maybe not, and no Brexit. So, no Brexit will cost money. The ones that we've been pursuing all this time will cost money. The one that somebody else thinks they prefer will cost money, and there's no solution. Any which way. There's a lot of money, whether you believe it or not. And that money doesn't grow on the tree. It comes from taxpayers, which most of us here are. And that's just the way it is. But even instead of panicking and worrying over those things that could happen or may not happen, let the peace of God rule in your heart. By being thankful. The second thing there, if you go further to the next verse, verse 16, if you want to reflect or find out from yourself if you're genuinely abiding in Christ and if you're producing this fruit, this fruit that we're talking about, the next thing there, it says, letting the word of God. It says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Let it. I said earlier on, the only way to grow a fruit is to cultivate it. So if the fruit of peace is going to come, from you, you've got to cultivate it. And if you cultivate it, how do you cultivate it? By abiding in him. In the word of God. Let the word of God dwell in you richly. If the word of God does not dwell in you richly, it's very, very, very difficult to live in peace. Really difficult. Very difficult to live in peace. Very difficult not to be suspicious. Very, very difficult not to fight. Very difficult not to be frustrated. Very difficult not to be grumpy. Very, very difficult not to be depressed. If the word of God dwells in you richly in all wisdom, teaching, admonition, one another in psalms, in hymns, in spiritual songs, singing with grace in your heart unto the Lord. First of all, you're thankful. Secondly, you're singing with grace in your heart unto the Lord. Grace, I don't deserve it, but I have this. I'm grateful. I'm alive. That's more than enough to start with. If the word of God dwells in you richly, you will handle situation differently. I need you to please understand this. That you can live and enjoy the peace of God, but the word of God needs to dwell in you richly. The word of God needs to dwell in you richly. It's not negotiable. Let the peace of God rule your heart. Let the word of God dwell in you richly. When the word of God dwells inside of you richly, you will be a different person entirely. Because you will have a different way of approaching every challenge, everything that chooses to steal your joy. Because at the moment you wake up in the morning, I promise you, something wants to steal your joy from the traffic to your neighbor, to your work colleague, to your children, and if you don't have them, to your pets. It doesn't matter what it is. In fact, if you don't have any of them, it could be your front door. Some days it could be just you and your front door. You use your key, the same key you've used repeatedly, just chooses not to work. And all of a sudden, you're just so stressed out because you've woken up late anyway. You're going to run late for that train, and you're trying to get that door to shut, and it just won't shut. And then you bang, I don't know if you've been there, bang the door, and then you lock the key in, and then you're now in more trouble than what you were in before because you were so stressed. And all of a sudden, that led to the, the missing of the train, that led to this and that and that, and so many other things. If you don't stop and take charge of it, it should just continue and roll one into the other. Remember recently, my daughter was going to work and she ran, went out. In fact, I noticed the third time she came through the door. I said, Bethel, I said, stop. She stopped. She said, it's promising to be a very interesting day. I said, no. I said, you take charge. Stop. She then stopped. I said, take charge, Bethel, because the day is taking charge of you right now. Take charge. I said, I get it, mom. I get it. 
So she just stopped where she was on the stairs. She just stopped, sat down. I think she took a moment, prayed, and then she went. So I asked her later in the day, I said, how's the day going? He said, it couldn't have been better than this. I'm grateful. Let the word of God dwell in you richly. Otherwise, you'll be on this roller coaster. See, the thing about life is, whether you are in charge or somebody else is in charge, life must move. There's no static place in life. No, you're not static. As you are now as a believer, you're not in one place. Whether you believe it or not, you are either regressing or you're progressing. The question is, which are you really doing? Some of us think, if I don't do anything, I'll just float. You know, uh, a while ago, we decided to, a while, really, really while now, when we were in Cyprus, we decided to learn to swim. We learned to swim as adults, P and I. And while we were in Cyprus, we, because Cyprus is everywhere, it's a coastal country, so there's, there are beaches everywhere, literally everywhere you can think about. So we learned to swim. You just go there, you know, the salt water just keeps you floating, and you're just, you know, you think you're really good. Actually, after a while, we thought we were great swimmers. We're really supposedly good at it because we go really far. And I mean, not knowing that we were not going anywhere, the water was the one pushing us forward. And then we got to England, and Pastor shared his story before how somebody made fun of him at work. You can't sweep, you know. And they didn't do it quietly. The person shouted and everybody knew. So he came back home from work that I said, we're going to learn to swim. We're going to learn. So, one, so we started learning every Thursday evening. And the first time we got into the swimming pool, I was shocked. I was shocked to know I kept sinking. I didn't understand. With two years in Cyprus, at least a full year in Cyprus, I was swimming. I thought I was swimming. Let's put it better. I wasn't swimming. I was supposedly floating. Obviously, I was not floating. I didn't understand the principle of floating. But because it was seawater, it was salt water, it floats you automatically. There is a way you lie in the water to float. I never knew that. I just thought you just get there and lie down. And I got there and laid down and I was down. I mean, down, down and drank a little bit of water. And it was awful water. You know, if you know me, you know how tough that would be because swimming pool water, chlorine water, everybody had been there all day. And it was in the night we went. So it was like, you know, it was awful. Tried the second time, it was exactly the same. And the lady and, and, and the lady asked us. It was only both of us in the class. She said, she said it was private tuition. And the woman said, How much can you swim? I said, oh, I can swim very well. <laughs> and then and then P came and said, mm, you know, at least he did this because he had experienced something at work that made him know he can't swim. So he gets a bowler we can't. I said, No, not me and you. You can't swim, I can't swim, you know. And I don't believe I can't do anything. You know, it's one of those funny things. When you no, and when he said, I said, No, you can't, I can't. You know, uh, you can't swim, you can't swim. See, that's why they made fun of me. When we're going, and most of the time, I will always go into the water. In Cyprus, it wouldn't. I said, that's what happens. Come into the water. You used to crack it. You say, a beanie man doesn't go near water. I said, what is the problem? You know, so I was making fun of him. And then I told the lady, I said, yeah, I can. And I went down. So I thought, no, let's try again. I probably got something wrong because it's been a few months since I tried it. I did it again. It went all the way down. As God we have, it was just the three of us. So the woman said, you have not learned the technique to stay floating. You need to learn the technique to stay floating. And she took time to teach us the technique. What I'm trying to say to you is there is a technique that will keep you buoyant for the rest of your life. And it's in the word of God. You've got to learn it. It's not negotiable. It's not something you can subcontract to anybody. You can go to discipleship class. You can go to step-up classes. You can go to Bible school. If you choose not to let the word of God dwell in you richly, in order to control your life, 
you can't stay floating. You don't understand the technique. The um, seawater, which is the church, the fellowship, the people around, can carry you only for a bit. A time will come that things will test your level of peace. The question is, would you pass? The last one there is verse 17a. It says, letting the character of Christ influence you. Please, let's go to that scripture. Before I tell you the principle that I use personally to enjoy peace. Colossians chapter 3. So, verse, verse, chapter, so I've read you verse 15. It says, let the peace of God dwell in you richly. Verse, verse uh, 16. So let the word of God dwell in you. No, let the peace of God rule you. Let the word of God dwell in you richly. And the last bit says, and whatsoever you do, in words or deed. Do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Again, letting the character of Christ influence you always. Letting the character of Christ influence you always. Did you see the third verse as well? It has thanksgiving in it. You want to enjoy peace? Thanksgiving is a sure door to constant peace. You know, if you're thankful for that job, you will never moan about it one day. If you're thankful for that spouse, you will never moan about them. Every time you're thankful for something, you keep seeing the good things about that thing. If you're thankful for this country and its weather, you will never see what is not working. If you're thankful for the house you have, you will never see what is not working. The reason why you see what you see is because of your attitude in your mind. And you need, to, you need to work on that. He said, let whatsoever you do, the character of Christ, let it influence you all around in all the things you do. So now let me tell you, uh, I, I always say personally, what do I do? I was asking myself, I said, practically speaking, because I do have things that could, like anybody else, cause you concern. But how do I maintain, I'm very conscious of the peace of God. I am very, very conscious of the peace of God. So I actually wrote an acronym that can help you. I call it my own practice of peace or the process of peace. You can write that down. It might work for you. It works for me. The first thing is when something happens or when something doesn't happen, it doesn't matter which way. It could be when I wake up in the morning, I pray. I pray. That's the P in peace. I pray. When something happens, I pray about it. The second thing that I evaluate. You see, the fact that I'm a believer does not mean I suspend my brain. I evaluate things. I ask questions for myself. I ask questions from God, actually. All right. This perspective is all I can see. Lord, I'm praying. And when I go to, because I pray and I expect God to give me, I already have ideas. Maybe you want to do something and you're not at peace. You want to know what to do, what not to do. You know, pray about it and then go back and evaluate the issue. One of the things prayers does for you, it helps you to see clearly. It really does. Sometimes we just react to anything that comes our way. So that means that it's knee-jerk reaction. A reaction like that, you're not ready. You just do things. Anyway, when you pray, God begins to open your eyes to see things that you haven't seen before. Well, that's what happens to me. I begin to see what I've not seen before, my blind spot. Sometimes I pray, and then as I'm chatting with PBP about it, I will talking about evaluating the options. The second thing, that's the E. And the next one is the A. Every single time I anchor my decision on the word of God. You can't. I can't overemphasize it. I can't overemphasize it. Anchor. P is for praying. E for me is for evaluation. A is for anchoring. I anchor my decision on the word of God. What exactly has God got to say about this issue? It doesn't matter how 
urgent the decision is. This process I talk about, I can do it in five minutes, I can do it in five hours, I can do it in five days. It depends on the situation and the circumstance. So some of them you will do on the fly. Some of them you will do over a period of time. But whatever it is, try and practice it. It might work for you. It works for me. The next one is the C there. The moment I choose to anchor, uh, P-E-A-C. The moment I choose to anchor on the word of God, I confess that word until the word happens. I don't care what is happening, what is not happening. My confession will never be anything apart from what God has said. It was, I would just stick to what God has said. When my mind is telling me what is happening, I remind myself of the anchor, which is the word of God. This thing is, if you just get this technique right, life can be so easy. And then the moment I confess the word of God and I will continue to confess it, the situation can change in an hour. It can change in 10 hours. It can change in 10 days. It can change in 10 years. You will never hear me confess differently. And the very last one is I keep on enjoying my life that moment. Enjoy this moment. That's the I enjoy this moment. Don't worry about what will happen tomorrow, what will not. Enjoy this moment. So you, two years ago, you say, oh my goodness, the problem is now we're going to Brexit, 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 Brexit. And then maybe tomorrow comes and they say, we're not Brexiting again. You have now spent two years worrying about what we didn't do. What's the point? And for some of us, our life is like that. You have no peace because you're not enjoying this moment. Enjoy this moment. Oh, the children are stressful, 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 stressful. Then they leave home and they go to uni and there's nobody to talk to anymore. Oh, they're going to go to uni and I'm going to, oh, my, what am I going to do? What's going to happen? What's going to happen? They will go, they will come back. Nothing will go wrong. Oh, they will finish, they won't get a job. They will finish, they will get a job. Oh, they won't this, they will that, they will that. Different things. But enjoy this moment. Now that child is two, enjoy two because 20 will come and it won't have time for you. Oh, now that husband always, always wants, I just, I just need my space. He just wants to spend all the time with me. I just need my space sometimes. I, I love my space. As a single girl, I had my space. I don't have any space now. And then the time goes, hey, you want space? Take space. <laughs> I remember I went, this morning I was going to go to do something. And Peter said, oh, let me come. I said, don't come with me. I'm going to go and buy your gift. I don't want you to come with me. He said, but I really want to come. I said, you're not coming. Because yesterday he went to buy mine and I didn't go. So why should you come along to be with me? So you're not coming. I'm going by myself. But I can stay somewhere. I said, no. So I went. But it took me longer than I thought it would take me. I didn't look for me. So I came and I said, but you didn't even look for me. Because I met a lady that just won't stop talking to me. And she talked so much. And then she told me to give her a ride back to, my, to where she was. I was just, and I couldn't say no. So I did all of that. I was not happy with myself. I didn't have a choice. I was thinking, if only... My husband would just call me, and i said, say, oh, sorry, the husband just called, i got to go. He didn't call. <laughs> I need my space, I need my space. And then he gave me my space, I don't want my space. <laughs> Enjoy the moment. The Lord bless you. <laughs>